Welcome to the Space Commune Podcast. I'm your host, Fox, here with Alex, and today we have a special guest, Matt Eric. Uh, Matt is the co-founder of the Rising Tide Foundation. He is the editor-in-chief of Canadian Patriot Review and senior fellow at the American University of Moscow. Matt, welcome to the Space Commune Podcast. Always a pleasure to join you guys. Very, very happy to, uh, to be with you. Yeah, and today, so today we're going to go over uh, a recent essay you published on The Last American Vagabond titled The Roots of Modern Eco-Terrorism from MK Ultra and the Unabomber to Maury Strong and Yuval Harari. Um, and you published this actually, like what, a couple of weeks ago, uh, May 24th. So this came just before uh, Mr. Kaczynski uh, finally, you know, bought the farm. Yeah, he's, he's one of the few... Uh devout Malthusians who actually walk the walk complaining about overpopulation. Usually when you ask these these people like, hey, you want to lead the charge there and uh, and solve the problem by uh, by taking the leap? They're, usually the answer is, well, no, 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 not not me, of course. The, the movement needs leadership. But Kaczynski, he got it, got it, got to tip the hat. He actually walked the walk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did not shy away from the vulgar Malthusianism, as we like to say. It's it's usually the 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 soft socialist leftist side that says, oh, no, 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 We're, we don't want to cull the population. We just want to reduce their standards of living. <laughs> Whereas yeah. the the more right-wing people will just come out right right out and say it, you know, the and Kaczynskis. And I think that's why a lot of people respected Kaczynski because he just kind of, he came out and said it, right? Yeah. Well, the leftists say, you know, direct action gets the goods. <laughs> Even though they're soft, they also say that. And that's how, that's their backdoor for Ted K. Yeah. Yeah, and, and a lot of people they, um, you know, we we shouldn't speak ill of the dead. And and again, I'm 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 authentic what I'm saying. Like you know, I'm tipping my hat because you walk the walk. A lot of a lot of people don't walk according live according to their principles. Um, True. I I feel bad for the guy, and, and you have to yeah. feel pity because I mean he went through some crazy unnatural shit in the course of his life. Starting I don't know how how young his abuse started, but we know now in hindsight that. Um, he wasn't just somebody, and I, I didn't have a clear idea of this. I always thought of him as just this sociopathic bomb, letter bomb sender who's now in prison. That That's that's the way I always tended to think of the guy. And I didn't really think of him as an eco-anarchist guru, an anti-technology advocate. And I didn't think of him as an MK Ultra guinea pig either. None of these yeah. things were, were fresh in, in my knowledge base until somewhat recently. And yeah. the thing that started me off on, uh, on that particular essay that you guys uh, read... Um, was just the the high density of food processing facilities going up in smoke si silos. You know, there's there's a high density of these anomalous, um, disruptive um, actions that had. I mean, there's always been problems. There's, there's always been fires in food processing f facilities for decades, but the density is anomalously high over the past two years. So I had picked up already on the existence of certain eco anarchist. Um, even I would even say eco-terrorist organizations um, that that I that I dive into in the form of Deep Green Resistance, um, a North American-based organization. People probably know about Extinction Rebellion. It's a bit better, more well-known. Also very active in North America, but it's based, it's rooted in in the UK. And um, I started seeing that there was something similar in the ideological matrix. Both of the the um, those who were shaping these organizations and Ted Kaczynski, who turns out to be 
yeah, like like you know, I just alluded to an an eco an eco anarchist philosopher and anti technologist who has made a pro prolific job at managing thousands of disciples from his prison cell around yeah. the world, many of whom are embedded in um, in non in in um, in academia within governments, within the, the civil service, within NGOs, um, who have been maintaining a, a deep admiration and constant letter writing campaign with this guy. And, you know, Ted Kaczynski was trying to kill people because who was he sending the letter bombs to? It was people who he identified as being industrialists, scientists, people who were whose thoughts and lives were advancing technological growth, which he defined as being purely destructive because it, it could only disrupt the natural equilibrium that he supposed existed in nature. And they had to thus be killed for the greater good. And um, people like the founder of Deep Green Resistance, who manages a, a vast array of Derek Jensen, useful... Right? Derek Jensen, yeah. He's a right. disciple, uh, a follower of, of the Unabomber, the late Unabomber, um, <laughs> as among many, many people. So in this essay, it's not just about Ted K. It's also about uh, a number of other uh, mass uh, mass market uh, ways of you know getting this eco-terrorist and anti-human anti-technology uh, message out there so Ted K has the stochastic violence on lockdown but now there's other forms of it um, he had to kill a bunch of people to get his stuff printed in the Washington Post uh, today Hollywood is just pushing these messages you know do, do you have anything to say about that about the progression we made that you used to have to kill people. Now you actually get paid by Hollywood to make these movies. To make a film called How to Blow Up a Pipeline. Yeah. Wow, did they? Yeah. Cynthia was telling me you guys were chatting about having watched uh, How to Blow Up a Pipeline. I, I embedded the the trailer to that that messed up Hollywood movie in, in the article because it, it was so wild. And it, it's based on a on a book that I had already known about because it was all over the the major bookstores in Montreal near, near where I live. And I always thought that that was that was strange. This 2021 book by Andres Malm. This um, I think he's a Danish, maybe he's Swiss. I think he's Danish. Um, eco anarchist, Nordic yeah. philosopher. Yeah. yeah. And um, and yeah, they just adapted it into a, a live action movie, high budget. You know, featuring I don't know seven or eight young, useful, idiot, misanthropic, alienated young kids who just um, we don't know what charge them exactly to become what they became but they all meet up in like some desert in arizona well, to to blow up a pipeline we watch it oh at yeah least, go on. at least two of them are federal informants in the in the actual plot of the movie yeah yeah that the whole movie <laughs> is about like their origin story and like their reason for wanting to blow up the pipeline and, yeah. and worship mother guy uh <laughs> it's a terrible film but watch it if you want a good laugh you know if you're watching it kind of ironically and want to see how bad it is um it's really bad movie. Um, yeah, definitely enjoy some, you know, either a beer or two or whatever you like to enjoy. You know, it's it's pretty funny. They did actually consult um, with federal agents on the film, right? Yeah, and and they, they put out terrorism you know, experts. Actually, meant to bring this up for the interview. I forgot. I'll I'll uh, pull it up now. But they did. Um, they when they put out the film. They they did special screenings where they handed out literature with the film, saying that the the point of the film was to yeah they wanted to provide positive representation of eco terrorists because usually eco terrorists yeah. are the bad guys in movies yeah right right of course yeah no I mean it's it's um it's very clear I mean how these recruitment tools 
have been deployed into the zeitgeist. And uh, there was another one that I, I had uh, cited in the the my essay too, um, uh, produced by Michael Moore. This one being a documentary you guys have probably seen called "The Planet of the Humans." Yep, a, a reference to Planet of the Apes, right? Yep. Um, and and Michael Moore as a producer just demonstrates his. I mean, I, at first it was a. It starts off really well because it, it demonstrates yeah. very, very competently the incompetence of green energy and the unviability of having these green energy systems ever uh, function in society. Yeah. And, you know, they, they made a very good point that, that they actually do much more damage to the environment, photovoltaic cells and windmills and all these uh, electric batteries, that, than even uh, a hydrocarbon-based society. That they're, they're just as if not more damaging. They covered the However, hypocrisy well. Yeah, yeah. They did a, such a good job. A such a good job. It's a useful film to see how, yeah, how how bad the renewable industry is. But then, then, and then they take it to the logical conclusion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, well, that's not, we shouldn't have any energy. Because humans are yeah. the <laughs> Yes, you, you talk about this guy in the film. Um, Sheldon, uh, probably Sheldon Solomon. Sheldon Solomon. And he talks about yeah. how not having any reason to live is actually very liberating or... Yeah, or, um, th this terror, terror management theory. Yeah, yeah, so he actually he people can Google his uh, his or Wikipedia his terror management theory is the great mm -hmm. punchline of the movie that ultimately that's the, what the movie is designed to get you to uh, accept as your new liberation theology is that um, we can embrace nihilism. We can embrace um, the absence of purposeful purpose purposefulness and the necessity of our of our death our our the destruction of existence as a, as a wonderful thing actually we shouldn't be afraid of that we should embrace and cherish that as as he even says a replacement to the conventional religions that we've been holding on to for thousands of years that that those are outdated they have no role to play in the new eco world order that they want to bring about as this new idealized utopia and so terror management theory is what they're promoting in that documentary and so it's really a, an eco-terrorist recruitment uh, tool, that that video, at the end of the day, because they don't allow for nuclear power, hydroelectric power, uh, hydrocarbons obviously no. So they, they give you nothing. They give you nothing yep. except uh, destroy civilization. <laughs> well, and, and their thesis is that it's the system, right? And the technology yep. is the big bad. You, you, you bring up how the axiom that underpins all this is that technology is an evil cancer um, and that... The theory, the thesis that these people believe in is that the system is going to take over and it's going to take over humanity. And this idea of, I don't know if you've heard of the singularity, right? The, this scare tactic yeah. of, well, eventually the machines, like kind of the Terminator is going to take over. And, but this is just not possible. And, and I think people get carried away with this idea that technology is going to overrun human beings rather than technology is created by human beings and is good for human beings, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a um, a fellow, David Scribina, who's also a... I, I cite his work quite a bit, um, who's an anti-technologist, uh, pen pal of T Kaczynski. He's a professor of philosophy at Dearborn, Michigan, the university. And, and he uh, has been bringing Ted Kaczynski's philosophy of technology into his, um, into his classrooms, for many, many years into many of his books. He's a prolific author, unfortunately. Um, and one of the things he he says, and I, I just quoted it from a uh, an interview that he gave uh, recently, where he says, 
um, his view of technology, which is creepy and wrong and very much rooted in the same Ray Kurzweil, Yuval Harari singularity vision of the transhumanists, ironically, same axioms, although the, the how to react to these assumptions is very different from whether you're uh, Kurzweil or whether you're one of the, you're you're one of these uh, bottom up um, anti humanists like like Scribina, but he says and I I'll just quote it. It's a long but useful quote where he says technology advances with a tremendous autonomous power. Humans are the implementers of this power, but we cannot really guide it, and we certainly cannot stop it. In effect, it functions as a law of nature. It advances with an evolutionary force, and that's why we are headed towards disaster. Technology is like a wave moving through the Earth and the universe. So, I'll just quickly pause here. He sees it like a demonic force, devoid yeah. of humans doing things and making technology happen. So, it's just like a, a, a spirit. Um, you know, as you're reading this, you, you know what I'm thinking yeah. is, is what it sounds like to me is a projection of what oligarchism is but projecting that onto technology and saying oh this feeling that we have of like this this autonomous power that's controlling and 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 taking us over that's technology it's not the the oligarch class or the ruling class the ruling elites it's uh, technology it's this tr transposition right dude that's brilliant yeah that's exactly what they're doing <laughs> that's funny <laughs> i didn't think about it that way yes uh and he, yeah, he, so he goes on to this, this oligarchical projection onto technology uh, saying, for a long while, for a long while, we were at, at the peak of that wave. Now we're on the downside. Technology is rapidly heading towards true autonomy, which is self-conscious, self self-aware self uh, robots, right? <laughs> Our opportunity to slow or redirect it is rap rapidly vanishing. If technology achieves true autonomy, we can take Kurzweil's singularity date of 2045 as a rough guide. Then it's game over for us. We will likely either become more or less enslaved, or else wiped out. And then technology will continue on its merry way without us. <laughs> now, for a lot of people who listen to that, they'll be like, yeah, of course, because this is a very common view now, increasingly, but why has it become a common view? It's because, well, look, the CIA have been funding Hollywood throughout the entirety of the Cold War, and the reason why certain scripts are approved and then put to the point that millions or, or more is put into making these productions that shape our zeitgeist, shape our, our popular imagination of what the future is, what human nature is. Um, that's a battleground. And, and the CIA, it's been proven, have been behind. Most of the movies that have been um, put into our, our universes for decades and decades and decades. So why does 2001 A Space Odyssey get funded? Uh, why did the Terminator series or um, The Matrix, why were they funded? Were they just for entertainment to satisfy a natural demand? No, not really. These are artificial predictive programming operations to get us all to think that the ideas, the Trojan horse ideas embedded within those scripts are actually ours. And, you know, when you're being entertained, your your intellectual sentinels are asleep. You're just you're taking it all in, mm. including the garbage under the surface mm. for predictive programming. And so we walk out of the movie cinema with a bunch of emotions, a bunch of new convictions that we don't even, we may not even be aware of on a conscious level. And then we, we think, well, we're smoking, smoking a joint or whatever, you know, <laughs> thinking about the insignificance of human beings or just talking about the philosophy of technology with our, with our bros. 
all of a sudden we think it's such a profound idea that we just had that we're gonna we're yeah. so insignificant and obsolete and technology is obviously gonna replace us and, yeah. and it, as if it this came out of our own thoughts and it's like no this is yep. all put there uh by people who actually do want to kill you and they want you to believe that technology is your enemy rather than something that we create through uh you know being good human beings making discoveries of the universe and translating those metaphysical discoveries into new forms of of so-called technology which includes metaphysical technology too like yep. the technology of government is a form of technology yeah. it's not just the material component because you could it's it, the, the the idea of improving the quality of the machines the energy that goes into maintaining the machines to fulfill a function in the service of human beings and, and coming up with better and better designs that's what the founding fathers of america were trying to bring online that was that was the whole battle of human history is how to bring about uh, a type of organization of of uh, the machinery of a form of government that respects the the obligation of liberty of the individual while at the same time because we have free will we do need freedom but at the same time obedient to the higher requirements of duty of law that's embedded in the universe because if you don't you know if you don't we lawfully need water we need food we need we need basic things biologically by the forces of the laws of life to exist otherwise we suffer and die so how do you how do you satisfy both the greater good as well as the individual liberty as we see in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, which together, you know, they work they work as a one, as part of the machinery that's supposed to be perfected in time, as to, to form a more perfect union implies that, you know, there's a, a, a constant perfectibility expected with every generation that's supposed to be able to make it better, um, while respecting the, ina the inalienable rights of the individual of the Declaration. So that idea um, is something that, that these, these creeps they don't they they refuse to think about and they want to instead think as the oligarchy wishes them to think of technology as as you just said so beautifully as what the oligarchy does it's the you know it's it's the oligarchy's rapacious parasitical nature that they're imposing onto yeah everything right and saying it's it's technology that you have to go to war with uh not the actual arsonists who are lighting the fires it's it's the fire itself that's your enemy not the yeah. arsonists well, it's just like Darwin, you know, Dar this idea of like bourgeois society transpose onto nature. This idea mm. that oh, only the survival of the fittest, right? And that's how the oligarchs or the bourgeoisie, the, the, how they think of, you know, it's it's, it's kill or be killed, right? Um, might might yeah. makes right. Um, it's 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 all yeah. this transposition onto the the natural world. No, this is na this is natural. This is how we're supposed to be. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I, I'm, I want to go back um, to what you wrote about Planet of the Humans because I think something uh, something that furthers your point about all of this is that the, the controversy that Planet of the Humans caused when it came out in 2020, and it shows how rapidly these things have accelerated. So Planet of the Humans, when it came out, it had all this, uh, it pointed out all this hypocrisy about the modern environmental movement. And then it went further and said, oh, well, therefore we should degrow and you know kill people. Uh, yeah. And at the time, all the leading environmentalists, they actually started this uh, giant campaign to deplatform the movie and they got it removed from distribution. Some of the people that signed on were Naomi Klein, uh, Josh Fox, Michael Mann. Um, they all mounted a campaign to get Planet of the Humans um, removed from distribution because they, uh, Josh Fox is the, the creator of the movie Gasland, for example. And what their justification was at the time was that the movie was so anti-technology, and this is the the trap sometimes that that people of our of our orientation 
fall into is that um, the renewable people will say, well, we're pro-growth, we're pro-technology, we're pro-human progress. We're not like the degrowthers. We're, you know, eco-modernists. But they still, they just, what they want to do is take us down a path of progress that is a dead end, which is the renewable stuff, which can't possibly support our society and support the the advancement the way hydrocarbons and uh, nuclear can. But, the, you know, and, th- and that's kind of the middle ground. So that was 2020. The movie, they were successfully able to get the movie deplatformed. Now in 2023, they're able to just put out how to blow up a pipeline. Now they've gone full Ted K in just three years. Yeah. The the Ted K film. <laughs> yeah. Celebrating him as a hero, which I, I saw way too many people. And to, to bring it back to what you were saying in the beginning with Ted K, and I agree with you, is that I see Ted okay. K uh, as I, I feel bad for him. He, he seemed like a smart dude. I don't know a ton about him, like how, how he was before, but he seemed like a smart sort of maybe sensitive person that was became a guinea pig, guinea pig of this uh, psyop, of this movement to convince people that we are our own enemy, right? And that technology is the enemy, the, the, the common enemy of man is man himself. Um, and, and you bring up a really useful paradigm to look at this through or or I, I don't know if this is even their own term but you talk about above and below grounders um, which I think is really interesting because the above grounders might be these people who are on the surface like the extinct extinction rebellion movement that seems just sort of like oh we just want to do right by everyone in the planet and then you have the below grounders who are actually planning on and do blow up infrastructure and pipelines yeah. and whatnot yeah yeah i mean this is this is on their own website i just took their i just went to their website i didn't do any investigative reporting or anything i just went to their website they just see what they're announcing to the world yeah the spreadsheet is crazy of the the successful attacks on infrastructure yeah that's nuts yeah i know i i was shocked to see that they're uh they're what, what is it called the um underground action calendar um which is on their um yeah it's specifically on their their action website and they say the underground, it's basically a list of several hundred um, acts of eco-terrorism against pipelines, rail rail systems, um, uh, power lines. And they go through the date, the location. So they have five columns. One is the date, one is the location, one is the action, um, electrical transmission, bombed uh, location, San Jose, uh, California, date January 6, 2023. Attack oh, type bombing, and it goes down all the way to like 1970s, around oh. the time when Ted Kaczynski was really getting into the act. I think he started his letter bombing campaign around 77 or 78. And right. I know one of the first things he tried to do was blow up a passenger jet, and luckily the detonator didn't go off. So this guy was not a mild thing. I mean, because they, yeah. they try to. One of the things I've noticed is that those who defend him, they try to say, "Oh, but he was only attacking people who were uh, directly responsible for uh, industrial growth." Like, you know, as if that's somehow if just that's bad. Yeah. And, and it, like he permanently injured like 30 people with shrapnel and nails that he put into these bombs. It was vicious and he killed three or four. So, I mean, you know, people forget that, you know, that, that there is there is something hardcore vicious in his approach. And when he was finally arrested, it was after the Washington Post had published his 35,000 word manifesto. Yeah. Um, it's like industrial society in its future. On the orders of the FBI, that the director of the FBI and Janet Reno directly intervened to force the Washington Post 
to publish his full thing, which then, I mean, I think they broke world records of newspapers selling, which which really yeah. created a new aura that maybe this guy's not just a sociopath, maybe he's actually a genius, which is like the new the new image that they've been trying to construct around this guy. So Derek Jensen, who is the the founder of Deep uh, Deep Green Resistance, made a website. He he basically is a disciple of the Unabomber. He made a website and created a movement over a decade ago to with yeah. his collaborators who have been embedded within different universities to 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 both groom and talent search young disenfranchised misanthropic kids who have been brainwashed by their the messed up school system. And then amongst the groupings who, you know, whether they get recruited into Antifa propaganda or Black Lives Matter propaganda or whatever, it's all kind of like wired into being anti-Western civilization and anti-technology anyway. Yep. Then amongst those, they they have a process where the teachers will invite these kids to a, a special project just for them. And then from these these recruitment processes, then they find themselves more and more radicalized to be sort of the ISIS. This is kind of like the way the ISIS uh, actionists are deployed yeah, yeah. in Syria or Libya or Iraq to overthrow or, you know, politically uh, uncooperative governments that want that must be overthrown. And we call them freedom fighting liberators to the Western, you know, media consumers. But in reality, the CIA, the Pentagon is providing the logistical support, protection, deployment directives to these useful idiots on the ground uh, who have been radicalized yeah. uh, by CIA protect, protected madrasas that were what we, I mean, this is what Jimmy Carter oversaw. Well, he's too stupid to know this. But this is what Kissinger is a big Brzezinski oversaw with the uh, the the arc of crisis policy back in the late 70s in the sucking in of the, of the Soviet Union into Afghanistan was the creation of Al Qaeda, which we called freedom fighters um, and still use them to this very day, even now um, against you know governments we don't like. We've been doing that since 9-11. So they, it's the same sort of variant, but with a, a different sort of flavoring for uh, the eco-terrorists but same principle in in all functions and yeah their 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 eco-terror action calendar literally says that this underground action calendar quote this is from the website exists to publicize and normalize the use of militant and underground tactics in the fight for justice and sustainability we include below a wide variety of actions from struggles around the world especially <laughs> those in which militants target infrastructure because we believe this sort of action is necessary to dismantle civilization right there you have it they that's just the, come out and say it. mo yeah you know i'm yeah. looking at at the website the deep green resistance website um who you know as you say he's a disciple Derek jensen who started this organization disciple of ted kaczynski and all all the leftists all the 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 socialists they say oh well that's e ted k is a right-wing eco-terrorist eco-fascist we're not that but, but you look at this website and one of the tabs says culture of resistance and then says people of color anti and anti-racism. So this is obviously leftist stuff, you know? That's the other ones too, worker solidarity. Yeah, this is all leftist stuff and it all funnels back mm -hmm. into the same thing. Um, yep. And, you know, I think it would be fun for us to just watch, I'll screen share, we can watch and yeah. react to this video that you have embedded in the essay. So this is a 2011 recruitment video. Here we go. A lot of the time, Deep Green Resistance gets characterized as an environmental movement, maybe because we have the word green in our name, but I don't think that calling us just an environmental movement really speaks to why I decided to join the organization. I feel like it encompassed all of these issues that are the problem and just tied it all together. 
We haven't done very well over the last few thousand years. We've had militarism, we've had slavery, we've had misogyny, we've had these, these horribly stratified societies where there's the rich and the poor and chronic starvation and all the rest of it. I don't, I don't, what's wrong with saying let's abandon this and do what we did before, which worked. <laughs> we did. You know what? Yeah, Wait, it worked. <laughs> they, they, these people really do want to just blow up society, start over again, because, you know, it worked before in the caveman days. I, how do, where do they even get this idea that the, the cave, the cavemen were so woke and there, there was, was no... less misogyny with the cavemen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you only, yeah, right, eh? As if, as if women weren't getting knocked, conked over their head. Yeah, right. And take, that's, a, that's a harmful stereotype. By, uh, by the alpha male. <laughs> yeah. Destroyed the planet for those first four million years. We actually participated. We look at this culture and we say, the sooner this thing comes down, the better. The oh sooner collapse happens, the better. Poor kid. So we oh. actually lay out a strategy for a way to achieve that collapse. Because we believe that not only the natural world, but humans will be better off without this culture. You know, so many of us are living in a state of alienation, in a state of dependence upon a system that's killing us, that's poisoning us, that's feeding us, you know, this toxic, this toxic imagery, this toxic culture that really destroys, you know, our internal selves, just as it destroys the external world all around us. And we think, you know, it's, it's long past time that this culture came down. The war is being raged against the natural world, and... That, that's him, that's Derek Jensen. You don't stop wars primarily by simply asking one of the ways you stop a war is by destroying the enemy's ability to wage that war. Terror is all around us. I mean, if the living world could speak, it would oh, say that it's uh -oh. afraid probably every single day of being gutted and torn down. And so I don't think it's fair to talk about terrorism in terms of protecting those who are terrorized every single day. Okay, you gotta hit pause, you gotta pause. <laughs> so much anthropomorphism uh, <laughs> here, like, as if the t the world is crying and is, yeah, the trees. Can't you hear their terror? They're so, they're living in terror. We have to destroy civilization to save stop the terror of the, the trees being raped. Yeah, I think you I know? think they intentionally filmed that to make it look like they're on the uh, the moon of Endor from Return of the Jedi. <laughs> like the Ewoks are going to emerge at any second and <laughs> defend their beautiful culture, the Avatar people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> their, their hair burn gully their people. hair is gonna have sex with the trees <laughs> no you know you know that these are the, the people who are like watching avatar though right and, and getting because what's james james cameron as well this this creepy character is is yeah. also advocating massive depopulation um him he's he, he's just one of many high level filmmakers who have been employed the the guy who did terminator Right, the Terminator yep. series that 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 Cameron is the guy who was behind also Avatar, and all of these things have ideological propaganda to get an effect within the target population to accept certain assumptions about the nature of the future and idealize certain um, ideas. Because what do you do in the Terminator? You have to go to war with the machines, um, and you know Avatar. I mean, you kind of are supposed to cheer when those damn dirty humans. Yeah. Get a spear through their chests. Yeah. Who are working for the mining complex? The humans the are the good guys. <laughs> we cheer for the humans when we watch Avatar. <laughs> <He's> brave patriots. <laughs> yeah, those awkward moments in the cinema. 
<laughs> they're just yeah. they're just trying to they're trying to uh you know take the uh that unobtainium you know back for the people away from the the rich uh nobby that's right rewarding it yeah it, it's sad uh, i mean it's sad to see these young yeah. people uh believe in this stuff and commit to saying things like oh we just want to basically they want to hit the hard reset button on on civilization yeah. which implies well, a lot of yeah. death and destruction, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, these are people too that it's um, a necessary evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like some people call them collapsed hearts, and I, I think that's accurate. That uh, they're they're so convinced that both a collapse is coming, and that it needs to come faster so that they can do what they want. Mm-hmm. And they have. I, I I think the biggest thing that I think of with these people is that they they have no awareness of what's going on in the rest of the world. All they can see is the United States or the West. They have no idea about the the billion people in Africa that don't have lights and running water. They don't have any idea about the amazing things happening in China. They just, all they see is their little slice of things. They see that they understand that they have a high standard of living and they just feel guilty about it. And they just, they, they want to end the pain for themselves. It's so narcissistic. Yeah. I feel bad for them too. You know, it's like, it's, they've been. They've been effectively psyoped to thinking this way, um, and I I want to help them. <laughs> yeah, well, there was a um, absolutely, and it, it's really I I guess that's the thing. Like, how do they think about the the people living in the world today without the type of advanced technology that they have been privileged to be born into and enjoy the fruits of? You know, running water, yeah. electricity that they they take for granted completely and wouldn't want to live without per se. But how do they imagine the lives of those who don't have those things? And I guess they must either think that their lives are peachy keen great and that people living in like the Amazon um, don't have infant mortality of, of two out of, out of six kids dying before the age of three and, and that an average life expectancy of like 48 years of age is like really lucky. Um, yeah. They must think that that's actually good in some way or maybe they think of the Ewok ideal that you that you alluded to as being yeah. like something that's actually out there or must they think that the only reason why that's not being exhibited is because technology has allowed for these monsantos and and you know uh mining operations to rape and destroy these these natural noble savage indigenous cultures and that's why their lives are not good but if we just got rid of i guess that's it right it, that if we just got rid of technology which allows for the mining companies to exist then all of a sudden we would have the beautiful avatar type of Ewok life on the earth somehow, which we somehow used to have before technology and the industrial or the agricultural revolution, which even David Suzuki, a Canadian eco guru uh, says was that was where we, we fell out of balance was when we started uh, dropping seeds in organized agriculture and stopped being hunter gatherers. Yeah. That's when we fell whack with nature as if now we should go back to that when he says, and he's not alone. This guy who's advocating the uh, how to blow up a pipeline logic, speaking at Extinction Rebellion events, uh, David Suzuki, he's actually, he's been openly quoted as saying that we need to go down to 200 million people that should be all that is permitted yeah. on the earth to go back yeah. into stability in, na- in nature. And it's like, our ecological limits. Yeah, Suzuki is interesting. He, uh, he used to be very vulgar in his Malthusianism. I think he's kind of, uh, you know, brought, brought it, to uh pulled it back a little bit yeah um you're gonna you know because now the line is that we just need to reduce our consumption fun fact though about david suzuki his daughter do you know about his daughter severin suzuki 
she was kind of like I know she bro- spoke at the Rio uh, Rio de Janeiro summit when she was like eleven or something. Yeah, it was like she a- was the first uh, Greta. She was <laughs> Greta yeah, exactly. Perfect. She was the Greta before Greta, and she was like, I yeah. I have no future. You're taking my childhood away from me, and yeah. <laughs> it's like they yeah. they tried the the Greta model first. Now now they're rebooting her. I guess Severin was Greta. Shouldn't have the right look. Yeah, you know, I guess not. It wasn't the right time. She was too early, maybe. Yeah. They yeah, hadn't put out her anti-human movies yet. Plus her connection yeah. to her dad probably was a little too on the nose, but... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting, is, right? Because yeah. all of these guys want a reset. They want a reset civilization, which is exactly what the Klaus Schwabs, the Maury Strongs, the, the yeah. upper echelon elites that they, they profess to hate, who s- supposedly represent capitalist civilization at Davos and Bilderberg. Yeah, those same. They all have the exact same agenda, which is reset civilization yeah. to some non-existent, idealized, uh, imaginary state that never existed. There is yeah. never a noble. There's no evidence of a noble, savage state of what Rousseau professes, you know, to have innovated as as an insight that the 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 humans who are untouched by the pollutant of industrial civilization or modern civilization are somehow these perfectly noble, pure beings devoid of sin um, never happened can you expand on that a little bit because i noted that that you you mentioned rousseau's notion of the noble savage and i honestly don't know the origins of that that term so could you could you uh explain yourself a little yeah i mean he's a a a thinker who was a you know contemporary somebody who who was uh active around the time of the french revolution very very influential around that period and and he posited that uh he's still very influential today unfortunately and he basically imposed an assumption onto um his anthropological theories about human nature which is that um it, it's it's sort of I, I made a graph I, I i photoshopped a little graph to try to like um bastardize and simplify what exactly these people think about the relationship between technological progress and uh and um freedom at freedom of human beings and which is an inverse relationship. So, in in the the, the assumptions of either a Maury Strong, a transhumanist uh, who wants to integrate human beings with machinery or build test tube babies to stay relevant against self conscious, self aware machinery at the singularity, which are going to replace us, in, unless we we become machines ourselves, right? Um, they they all believe they all have this formula, which is that be early on, further back in time we go when technology was lower, human freedom was higher. As well, and destruction to nature was uh, lower, and then as we move closer and closer to the present, and as we move into the future, we see the the technology and progress increase, while at the same time, proportionally, slavery or human freedom decreases to a maximum. Uh, to the to this, that's the singularity. When you extrapolate that into like twenty forty five or twenty fifty, that they say will be the maximum point where we'll be absolutely enslaved, and technology will reach a new threshold mm-hmm. and be, and become now the new masters. Of the universe. Now that 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 is not really true, but now Rousseau put forth a very similar doctrine. Okay. Um. In a in 18th century language, which was essentially that you know the the savage, uh, who is untouched by the untouched by civilization, is the natural state of human beings. Human beings are good when they are illiterate, because you know, uh, literature, the written word, that's a form of technology. Um, yeah. uh, like. Everything. Uh, so when when you when the the more ignorant you are, the more pure you are. The 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 more devoid you are of of access to technology, the more good you are. And as such, with that theory, 
every step upward we have in knowledge is more un means that we've we've been more disrupted more more brought into an unnatural state in that has to be corrected by a master elite ultimately that's the that's what's implicit but maybe not always explicit in the theories of these people because if they just said it that way we might say well that's garbage I, i'm yeah. not gonna because who's gonna be the decider right at the end of the day of like bringing us into a more pure state or refining bringing us back into alignment with our our true wiring nobody would accept uh the 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 authority self-imposed by this mat this wannabe master class um that says we're overpopulated by this much well who's going to bring mr suzuki right or or uh Cousteau, jacques Cousteau, the 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 other uh eco entertainment guru from france right who uh explored the depths of the oceans and became a real like loved icon well he also said 200 200 million people is all that that is sustainable and both and, and so the question should be well mr Cousteau, mr suzuki who do you who do you want to grant the authority to then impose and regulate that depopulated world society onto like who's gonna who, who's who's well then they would have to probably say well the people funding me <laughs> yeah the, the the same the same billionaire class who created the problem to begin with is what they would have to admit if they were honest, but they would never say that. But but that's where it's fun because there's this guy, uh, uh, Roger Halam, this British guy at, uh, from King's College in, in Britain who founded uh, co-founded Extinction Rebellion. You know, this, this group that's like deploying their, their young eco-anarchist self-haters to uh, to go and like spill paint on on paintings at the Louvre and stuff. It's it's annoying, like, you know, having these people sit down uh, and refuse to get up. At, during rush hour traffic when people have to pay their bills and get to work. But anyway, Roger yeah. Hallam um, has actually stated directly that uh, when when asked, why are we accepting money from George Soros? Because George Soros is the primary funder of Extinction Rebellion. Uh, the same guy funding Antifa, Black Lives Matter, right? Probably Deep Green Resistance, but I didn't look into that. But he's the primary funder of um, All Extinction the Rebellion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and Halam was asked, well, isn't this problematic since we're saying that we should go to war with these uh, proponents of industrial capitalism like Soros? And his answer was, well, we are, there's a quote from him, we are dealing with people who cry at night, just as we do. We don't want them to commit suicide. No, we want them to ring us up and give us that million quid. <laughs> well, it's totally natural that these billionaires are funding us because they, they have climate depression just like we do. Okay. <laughs> well, it's you sick. know, they take they take the money and then they string them up the next day is what is a, is a justification that we've heard, you know, um where we live in Kingston, New York, there is a Warren Buffett's son is a benefactor of the area and, and we have heard people pose this question and this was a question that I posed very early on in my work is will the revolution be funded, right? Supposedly there's this revolution to get to a better world. Is it going to be funded by the billionaire class, right? Because that's what seems to be yeah. happening. And and you hear this over and over again with all these like <laughs> NGO grifters, academia grifters. Uh, they say, oh, well, we'll take the money and then we'll we'll turn around and we'll cut ties once we get what we need. Um, we'll use this resource from the capitalist class and then we'll turn around and I guess like the French Revolution, we'll cut all their heads off, right? <laughs> Yeah. Which well, that's um, actually yeah. it, 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 it just said that because that's Rousseau. Yeah, the, the the influence of Rousseau in the French Revolution was behind the La Revolution n'a pas besoin des scientifiques. The the revolution doesn't need scientists, and that's why the leading scientists who had been organized with Benjamin Franklin by Benjamin Franklin, like Lavoisier and uh, 
uh, oh, there's a whole network of amazing scientists who were the statesmen uh, leaders of the French Revolution who were qualified to carry out a Republican uprising properly, mm. um, all had their heads cut off because the, the mob, the uneducated mob was was weaponized by these rabble rousers and these fake intellectuals who were on the payroll like Danton, Marat, Robespierre. They were they were on the payroll of the British Foreign Office and were able to then corral the the abused masses into kind of like what we have with the Fabian society variant of socialism in the last century or more mm. is, you know, you got these misanthropes at the top who hate people, but will weaponize certain flowery language and theories in order to absorb the abused labor class into a grouping that can then be deployed to smash either either target assassinate uh, a disruptive leader you don't like, like a McKinley or a Tsar Alexander II, which were killed by, you know, British directed anarcho terrorists who themselves didn't even know half the time how they were being directed because they're useful idiots like these kids we just listened to. Yeah. yeah. Um, or themselves or just disrupt the whole uh, target nation um, in order to undermine the sovereignty of a nation that you want to reabsorb back under the British East India Company global influence. So that was what was done throughout the late 19th century, like Mikhail ba Bakunin. Um, uh, Prince Kropotkin, right? These are like hardcore leaders of the Fabian society, anti-human variants of socialism who were, you know, operating on behalf of an oligarchical elite yeah. to weaponize people thinking that they like them, but they don't. And that's what Rousseau was doing when they, they cut off all the heads of the good and the bad alike. So there was nobody who had qualified leadership. And it was just five years of civil war in France and a bloodbath, a bloodbath of Jacobin terror. Yeah. And then with that vacuum of leadership, the Rothschilds could fund a Napoleon sort of proto-fascist to come in and clean up the mess and then use him as a new battering ram to try to ram through a new global Roman, uh, Western Roman Empire, which was what Napoleon saw himself doing as a yeah. bit of a mixed bag. And don't, and don't the roots, yeah, and the roots of this, huh? so the roots of this so, go so deep in uh, the great game throughout history, you know, and you just, we're, uh, as people that uphold uh, Hamiltonian thought, um, you know, there's a, one of the pejoratives against Hamilton is like, oh, he wasn't on the side of the revolutionaries in the French Revolution. And Jefferson, he he read Rousseau and he was a huge supporter of the revolutionaries. And that therefore you should support Jefferson. And, you know, yeah. it, all this stuff, I mean, it runs very deep down to these first principles of are, are, are people good and are we meant to to transform nature, uh, you know, to bring order to it and to support more more humans yeah that, very very good point alex really good point yeah, just, i mean jefferson as well like he his his he had a bust of rousseau and a bust of of john locke another right? slave owning like john locke made a fortune um as a board board director of the the british royal africa company um he like this guy was a devout like he he's the guy who brought back the theory of the blank slate that we don't we're, we're creatures born with no souls and all human nature is is behaviorism. We we are our whoever controls the the environment that we're born into controls our nature because we are blanks. We are tabula rasa. Mm. That's that's John Locke, and thus uh, any rights that we have from the John Locke philosophy are simply rights that cannot be inalienable. They're they're only rights that are given to us or can be taken away by whoever controls the definition of what freedom is. Hmm. As far as you know, John Locke, who controlled the Ro British Royal Africa Company, it was the same Hellfire Club oligarchy that had you know killed Thomas More just a little bit before that, and um, and had had run out Erasmus, you know. Yeah. So this is what 
Jefferson was a proponent of mm. was Rousseau, was Locke, was Adam Smith, all of the and so of course the guy himself was an unabashed slave owner who saw no 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 problem with the 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 incompatibility with the inalienable rights, the all men are created equal clause that he did good good job Jefferson. I mean, it's great that he played a role in drafting that yeah uh, that Declaration of Independence, but he didn't have a big problem living w according to to completely different principles uh in opposition to what he wrote down 20 30 years earlier kind of a um as a slave having sex with his own slaves and not even like granting them freedom after he died in his will he didn't like at least george washington hmm. grant treated his slaves pretty damn well and gave them all freedom as soon as he died whereas jefferson nah not a chance you know <laughs> i mean that's so typical he's the hero he's the good guy yeah. and hamilton's the bad guy the, that's the kind the of <laughs> leftist hypocrisy right like it's fine for you, but if I do it, it's it's uh, or it's not okay for you. But if I do it, it's fine. Um, and you know, and you talk about Fabian socialists, and we're talking about now Jeffersonian versus Hamiltonian. And I think that this idea, it's so much it, the whole idea of socialism versus capitalism is so stupid, and it's so like we're so beyond that point uh, in history. Um, where people talk about the World Economic Forum, and depending on if you're right wing or left wing. World Economic Forum is capitalists and they're bad, or they're communists and, and they're bad, and, and just it you get nowhere with with this kind of. It's another just another version of left, right? You know this and that. Yeah. Uh, socialism. What we really want to look at is how people view humanity, and and is humanity um, a force for good in the world, or is humanity um, something to be controlled and conquered, right? Um, and yeah. and that's I, that I find a, a much more useful framework than saying are you a capitalist or a socialist or this or that or do you do you like Mao or do you like stalin do you mm. like this or that um and that's where the co-opting thing comes in too where they're like yeah the world economic forum well they're co-opting regenerative agriculture <laughs> i like the real regenerative agriculture right yeah right yeah. right none of these little policies are gonna they don't amount to anything at the end of the day it's all and to take it back to what you were saying before about government government is a technology and technology is not bad technology is good and it's something that we need to perfect not just throw mm -hmm. out the the baby with the bathwater and hit the hard reset button um and hope that when we when we repopulate the earth after we murder everyone that ever you know misogyny will be gone and you know yeah. we'll live in this perfect utopia it's just it's a it's a baby mind fantasy um but yeah, I, I, that's what, I know. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, I mean, you know, the, all evidence looking at hunter-gatherer societies is that there were much life. The lifestyle of a hunter-gatherer society is much more destructive to nature than an agrarian society. Yeah, you have to use a lot more land to support fewer people. You, um, I mean, you gotta you gotta follow the buffalo. You gotta. I mean, there's a lot of destruction that you have to commit to nature to maintain at a lower quality of life a a, a nomadic hunter-gatherer society. Whereas when you can start growing your own food in a controlled agricultural fashion, you can live longer. You have more food stability. You know, like all of a sudden if there's a drought and the the, the rabbits or the buffalo populations drop, the human population does not have to drop in a cord. You know, you could you could store grain for those dry seasons um, rather than die because uh, yeah. the bounty of nature just didn't supply itself that season. It's too bad. You know, go eat your baby. Um, so, but this is all 
what allows this to happen is is something that these these freaks, whether controlling Bilderberger or Davos or uh, these poor schmucks at uh, Deep Green Resistance, they don't acknowledge. They don't they don't acknowledge the the metaphysical reality, the ontological reality of mind as a natural force within the universe. They think of mind and its fruits of like, an, and I'm saying mind from the standpoint of what a healthy, mature human mind does when animated by conscience. It's not just like logic, you know. Um, not, not not just the calculating machine of the or a Turing machine in in a biological fashion. I don't mean that. Um, I mean like a, a real, natural, healthy human mind. They they want to treat that as if it were unnatural and only at, at like the, the the only nature unpolluted by human thought and intention and design and ideas is natural. But the reality is all evidence shows us the opposite. The, 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 human, the human being is a very special thing because we have biological uh, similarities to other, other forms of animal within the biosphere. DNA-wise, we are not that different from, you know, chimpanzees and stuff. And we have a lot of the impulses of other animals and we can act like a wolf and, you know, fight <laughs> or fly, right? We can, we, those things are all true. Pain, pleasure, just like animals have. But we have that additional thing that involves a metaphysical, non-measurable, but real quality of love of justice, uh, conscience, uh, the pursuit of causa causation behind the surface appearance of form, of material form. We can actually uh, conceptualize and hypothesize solution concepts regarding why things happen, not just that they happen, but why, and then act upon those principles to change the future for the better. Like before a drought happens, we can know, well, you know, sometimes drought and we can act accordingly in the present to prevent a future destruction or an asteroid or that will eventually come and destroy us or dis or do a lot of damage. We can act preventatively in a, in a, in a, based on knowledge, whereas these assholes are trying to create fake crises and get us to act preventative, preventatively, like, you know, un undo, undo, uh, hydrocarbon based energy sources now. And 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 shut down civilization oh. now. Well, it'll change the weather. Huh? We have to change the weather. We have the to change the weather. Bad, so we when the weather is bad, it's because of climate change. When the weather is good, it's because what we're doing is working. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There. There's this uh, fun um, meme of the screenshot of uh, a British Weather Channel from 2016 and and 2023. Yeah, and you you have all of the uh, the the degrees of temperature all over Europe uh, during some average su summer day, and you see in 2016 it was just like a natural normal green map of yep. Europe, and you know it's like 16 degrees here, and and you, you know like, all the different like numbers are there, all normal, no. Fr and then in the in the in the the graph, the, the screenshot of the same studio, same uh, weather weatherman today. Everything is red yeah. on fire, and the temperatures are actually cooler. The Eye of Sauron uh, comes <laughs> yeah. out in 2023. Yeah, very few people yeah. go back and check the notes of like all these headlines that were, you know, saying, "Oh, in in 20 years, you know, 20 years ago they were, were writing, oh, in 20 years the the world is going to boil over.'" <laughs> it didn't yeah. come true, and um, they've been making these predictions for I don't know since the set since the 70s, and even before then, you know, there've been um, Nostradamus doomsday prognosticators this, this is like something that's happened throughout history um but you, yeah you're when you're talking just now and you use this metaphor a lot and and i really like it uh because i think it strikes right at the heart of what what the elites are trying to do and you you refer to um what the elites refer to us as is like cow people 
<laughs> you say that, that they want to manage the cow people and they do they kind of see and that's why they they don't want us to see ourselves as human beings different from animals they want us to see ourselves as no different than the animals and and as part of the earth and part of gaia and and just great we're just grazing on their land that they own and it's just such a perfect metaphor um and this whole yeah. uh uh cultural phenomenon with like furries and stuff it it feels like such a symptom of that of like how they really want to convince people to just become more like in this animalistic state and forget that we have this human brain um oh dude yeah that's a good yeah. point i didn't think of that i didn't think of that either but it's true the furry culture um yeah is is creepy in that sense eh? because it, it's based upon kind of a making animals kind of like a, a a lawful subject of your erotic desires somehow yeah and geez where do you go and then you have i know there's a lot of um human rights activists or animal rights activists who are yeah. trying to extend human rights to elephants and zoos and and other things with the logic well you know we're just oh peter sick right there you go animal liberation i bought yeah. this book i bought this book animal liberation i still have the receipt I bought it in 2002 when i was like 16 because yeah. I, I was a vegetarian and I was I was into the whole thing because I love animals. Um, you'll see the cat pop up on onto my lap while I'm recording sometimes, but I love animals and I think most people love animals. But then they transpose it into this thing where well we can never hurt animals and they're just so pure and like, we have to be at one with every with nature and um, they forget this the fact that animals. They think that we we're just like this poison to animals, and that we're just hurting them and making their lives worse. Now, if my if if our cat and dog could talk, they would disagree with that. Their lives have become much better because of us, and they think of us as like gods, and they love they love us because we've made their lives better. And, and this idea that like yeah. we're just destroying animal life on the planet uh, because of human, you know, humans are just a poison to the rest of the living world. Yeah. It's such nonsense. Yeah. It's such, yeah. It's total nonsense. And and I actually have a clip in one of my documentaries about from with Peter Singer, because um, he's a uh, a moral philosopher, utilitarian. So he comes up with all kinds of uh, thought experiments. And he was given a thought experiment where they said, well, according to uh, Greta Thunberg and and climate activists, they say the human beings are net negative on the planet. And if those calculations are right, do you think we should uh, kill ourselves and and get rid of the human race and he says well you know if you have the calculations right and there's more happiness being created without us and we should that justifies getting rid of the human race so you you can see how that that logic this <laughs> this obsession with, oh with you gotta hand it to him he's consistent he is he is consistent yeah, yeah i think he also made an argument for bestialization as well like why why it's and, but it's a, it's a very yeah like you said it's a yeah bestiality yeah and, and it's like a very benthamite benthamite yes. who's also full to us as like a great philosopher of the american revolution who inspired the founding fathers and it's like no this guy wrote an argument against the declaration of independence as a self-contradictory absurdity and he wrote in defense of user uh not yeah usury but also uh pederasty um mm. so i mean sex with young young children right and i mean this is bentham the the guy who was in charge of British intelligence, um, who let 
who let Aaron Burr, after killing Hamilton and trying to break up the Union in 1807 with an arrest warrant on his head, escape and he lived, Aaron Burr, but former vice president under Jefferson, went and lived with Jeremy Bentham in his manor for five bloody years, doing opium, prostitutes, and calling it the best time of his life before being sent back to America a week before the, the War of 1812 is launched to reconstruct his entire machinery, at a key component of which was... His, uh, his former uh, ally in breaking up the union with the Western uh, secessionist um, cause, right, which would have put him as a little dictator of the Western uh, Confederation uh, after, and, and then, uh, you know, the plan was to then depose Jefferson, kill Jefferson, put Burr in as the, uh, the top poncho with a new, a new pro-British um, Confederation of the United States. Um, the guy whose house they were using as a base of operations was Andrew friggin' Jackson, the guy who ultimately kills Hamilton's second bank later on, who's reconstructed and put into play by Aaron Burr, a Benthamite asset. And so the fact that you have these guys to this day using Bentham's underlying theories, it's in order to justify the idea that animals should have the same rights as human beings have in the Declaration of Independence. And not only that, but what's justified when we blow up the dams, there's been 57 dams across the United States destroyed to liberate the rivers, yeah. right? And and preserve, re restore deserts to their natural state to, to bring back their right to be untouched by human beings. Yeah. And because the idea is, look, the, the, the rivers are being enslaved and constricted as slaves by human beings who built these stupid dams in the 50s when we were still ignorant. And now we should demolish them, which, which Gavin Newsom spent $500 million demolishing four dams last year. Um, it... At huge detriment to the abundance of food production of farmers who needed the reservoirs and the abundant like water management systems and the residential electricity, which is no longer there, creating more scarcity yep. but because the dam, the rivers have human rights. So non-living nature, they're saying, well, it's made up of atoms, water and, and deserts. It's rock. It's made up of atoms. Life like non-thinking, non-thinking, but living nature is is made up of atoms, right? Your cat, your dog. It's, it's also made up of non-living atoms and human beings were thinking nature, uh, thinking living nature, right? Supposedly, you know, the, 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 the highest echelon of the, the natural totem pole. But in fact, we're all just ultimately made up of non-living atoms. So because atoms are all atoms, they all have to have the exact same rights, ultimately, whether desert, a rock, uh, a cat, a plant, or your grandma, who's now too expensive to maintain, so we should euthanize her yeah. to save money and preserve scarce medical resources. Well, you, you know, guys have made, you guys have made up there in Canada, huh? Which is yeah. which is basically the the program of Nazi Germany to eliminate yeah. the useless eaters and the the people un yes. the unworthy of deemed unworthy of life, which is crazy, yes. crazy. But it's voluntary, yes. so. But it's voluntary, so it's okay. It, there's no tyranny kind of. authoritarianism. No. Kind of. It's kind of voluntary, but at the same time, and I guess this brings in, like, they'll, they'll ruin your life. Like, they, the, like there, there's war veterans who are just, they've, they've come back from an imperial war managing, like, opium fields in Afghanistan, thinking that they were going to do something for liberty. They came back all broken um, to Canada. They're now broken. They're not getting any services or support. Um, and but they can access made super easily, and you've got all sorts of doctors who have been pro young idiot doctors, right, coming straight fresh out of med school. Yeah, totally no no life experience, no moral values built up inside of them because the med school system is now like cranking out people to think of human beings as clients who are just like machines, human human biological machines with nothing really ultimately sacred. 
and uh, an administrative structure that's focused on balancing budgets, encouraging them and even punishing them if they don't do this to offer, put people on on either drugs. So now you have like psychedelics, uh, heroin being provided to people in, in Ontario and British Columbia, sponsored by taxpayer money. You can get now the equivalent of heroin uh, given to you at the at the pharmacy to feed whatever wow. drug you're on. And it's part of the, the George Soros harm reduction policy. Yeah. And um, when finally that runs its course and your life is ruined even more, which it ultimately always is, then you can be given a, a made uh, easy easy pathway to to end all the pain completely. Yeah. Um. So they they've really accelerated this line. now depression, right? So they started this thing off by saying, oh, it's only if you have a, a disease which Terminal. will guarantee yeah. painfully. And you have like two doctors who who all agree. Uh, and it's your choice. But now they just expanded that because now, well, what is it? What is pain? What is it's all like subjective. And so they say, well, if you if your emotions are in pain, if you're depressed and let's say you're un, you're a mature minor even. So they, they said, well, if you're depressed, you can get it. Well, now, but but what about the aren't we doing an injustice to those under 18 year old minors who are depressed and their pain is as equally real as the as the 34 year old um you know, war veteran, their pain is equally pain. So shouldn't they, they also have the right to be, if we want to be truly honest? Huh? They didn't ask to be born, you know? They didn't ask. You have a girl in uh, Britain born to some rich family. She is actually a professional um, horse jumper, whatever you call these people who, who like ride horses, right? That's her equestrian. Thank you. Um, <laughs> she successfully sued her mom's doctor for not prescribing her mom get a uh, 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 an abortion because she has a spinal disease that forces her to go through like a, 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 a an annoying three hour treatment twice a week to like do something with her spine. I don't know. But the point is she's a professional equestrian all of the other days of the week that she's not going through her spinal realignment treatment. She's perfectly fine, really rich kid, but she successfully sued this doctor for like $25 million. And the doctor was forced to pay up for not telling the mom that she should get an abortion because the doctor should have known that her baby was going to be born with this spinal issue. Um, that's wow. actually happening. They're normalizing this and making legal you know, precedents right now. You know, Matt, can, I, can I ask you, so you, you're a Canadian. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're a Canadian. That's that's it. A Canadian no, patriot. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> we used to we used to be big uh, Bernie Sanders people back in the day. And, uh, you know, one of the big Don't things. Don't tell people that. It's embarrassing. Well, oh, it's the truth. It's the truth. <laughs> you know, I wear my trauma on my sleeve. Uh, but, uh yeah, so the big thing was Medicare for all, and it was like, oh, well, look at England, look at Canada, yeah. look at all these social democratic countries. They do it; it's so good, so humane. Why don't we do it too? So it sounds like you know you, you describe you just described Canada and the UK as having these MAID programs, and I know that was that was the big uh, thing you know 15 years ago here when Obamacare was proposed about these death panels, um, which yeah. I think there actually was some there was some validity to it. Um, now that I look back through the fog of history at the time, I was like, no, those are just chuds making up stuff, <laughs> D deplorable tea party people. But it's actually, you know, I think they actually yeah. had some validity to that. So, uh, is there something, is there something particularly about, um, having socialized healthcare in the modern context that, uh, seems to, to lead to the, this, this made stuff? Um, well, I think it comes back to the whole question of technology because like again government is technology right having um a centralized government that has power is a power right you could you have a power to, to harmonize action across a big 
a swath of space and time and do things. The question is, what are you going to do with that power? Yeah. Um, same thing for like a nuclear power reactor. It's a lot of power, highly centralized. You can do a lot of good or a lot of bad with the with the atom. And so the it, it's always, in my mind, it comes down to the cultural question of, well, what is the cultural matrix that is um, encouraging the development of, uh, of valuing the sacredness of life or diminishing the value of human life? And in, as we see under any of the death cult operations that have tried to you know latch onto humanity, over centuries and centuries and centuries, which will always use central government to to uh, be an instrument for the expression of their desires and values of the oligarchy, right? Um, so they they will use, like in the case of Canada, the, the fact that the Canadian healthcare system it, it's a great idea, and I, at different times, you know, when when we have abundance, it's it's a pretty good thing. There's no there's no excuse that can be really given to say, well, there's not enough to go around. You know, uh, we gotta we gotta cut the we gotta we gotta accept an increased death rate of elderly people or babies who are too expensive to maintain with the scarce medical resources if there's abundance and and the abundance is created by a moral value that involves investing in better quality MRIs and and EKG systems and healthcare infrastructure and quality nurses and doctors right who are trained properly and that's all good like a national bank could be a great good like we see in the case of of how china is using its national bank to emit large-scale credit the way franklin roosevelt did with the reconstruction finance corporation or what hamilton did with the hamiltonian banking system that mm -hmm. that allowed for the united states to increase its population both in quantity by by a factor of four as well as in longevity and quality of life uh in in, in an immense way within only the first 40 years of its of its existence that was through the centralized banking capabilities of a government that was still run by by agencies that valued and cherished the principles of the Declaration of Independence, um, and then if your if your government becomes hijacked by fascists and death cultists, then they'll use that power to impose a fascist regime, and it might masquerade as socialism or it might masquerade as capitalism under the Davos variant or Soros variant of capitalism. But it, it's ultimately futile, and that's the mm -hmm. thing, right? There's there's feudal capitalism and authentic creative capitalism that values things there's there's feudal socialism like the fabian socialism uh and then there's authentic industrial pro labor socialism that cares about social values and and they they the the, the oligarchy has gotten us to as as you guys pointed out just oversimplify things to be like are you left or are you right like this is what derailed the french revolution right are you yep. a jacobin or a gironde do you are you a thinker or are you a feeler and then you just get everybody to kill each other while the actual Ben Franklin allies who are qualified and integrated human beings um, are, are are brushed aside and had their heads cut off too. So it's sort of the same trap today with, with healthcare. Um, I think, you know, John Conyers, I'm, at the time I was a volunteer with the uh, the LaRouche organization in those days. And at first I also had a bit of a problem in the, in the early months putting the Hitler mustache on Obama until I really started <laughs> thinking about it. And uh, and I was like, oh damn, it's true. Quality adjusted life years, the 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 bringing back of a useless eater. There really was uh, expert panels that would judge who would get and who wouldn't get uh, scarce resources, as Ezekiel Emanuel uh, put forth in in deep sick writing. Um, and I was like, damn, it really is the same as the tear garden for health reforms of Nazi Germany in the thirties. I was like, damn, it's true. Yeah. I, but the John Con, but it, but. I had to make the point because a lot of people would attack me for being like a, a, a right-wing libertarian Tea Party or something. And I'd be like, look, dude, I support John Conyers and his health reform that calls for universal health care. Because John Conyers put forth his own 2009 universal health care bill yeah. that LaRouche at the time and, and all, 
you know, said this is great, and I read it, and it's great because it called for spending more money, creating more healthcare infrastructure, and really honestly providing it for everybody instead and undoing the HMO de debacle that was created by Nixon. That that's fine. That's much more similar to a healthy ver variant of what Canada could have become if we didn't allow these these technocrats to to take control. Um, so, but 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 Obama crushed John Conyers. John Conyers had the whole deep state come down on him, and uh, and he was broken, and the people just forgot that that bill existed, and then they got sucked into this fake idea of the the Obama and now now Biden health reform, which is essentially the the Obama health reform that's come back with a vengeance, which just empowers the HMOs in more dubious ways than anybody even realized, and imposes new logics of uh, a new logical framework of, um, yeah cutting people off of their putting a dollar value on one year of your life and then rejecting yeah. the treatment based upon the fact that one year of your life might be worth less than that the monetary value right. of that treatment and which it, is exactly what hitler did yeah if our, if our life expectancy was going up then i'd i'd uh maybe i'd we'd have some counter evidence but the life expectancy has been going down in the united states so i don't think yeah. uh, we're, we're not going in the right direction no, I think you lost two years in the United States over since COVID started. Two yeah. years have been lost. It's well, crazy. Um, and once again, yeah. because of the Canadians not managing their forest correctly, that probably knocked another year off our lives. We're here in New York State. And, yeah. You know, we're we're just uh, ch choking down the, the fumes from Canada. Damn Canada. Blame Canada. Yep. That's what South Park said. Blame <laughs> Canada. They were right. <laughs> we exactly. We gave you Maury Strong. We gave you Mark Kearney. We gave you Christy Freeland. Oh, and you want. In New York now, we we rely a lot on Hydro Quebec too, uh, more and more all the yeah. time. Yeah, uh, it's looking like more so as we shut down all of our fossil fuel and nuclear plants and try to replace it with weather dependent renewables, which is well nonsense. So the hippies are trying to give H Hudson River human rights now, which might block <laughs> Hydro Quebec's uh, line from uh, from oh your neck of the woods down to New York City. So yep. we'll see about Jesus that. Christ. You know, maybe yeah. uh, maybe the Hudson River is gonna get rights. That's, oh God, <laughs> that's wild, eh? That's yeah. that's well. Look, I, I would just say here, like, because I, I I know we have to we have to wrap it up, but I but I I just say one thing, just to, like put a bow on this. Um, one thing that that was hovering, you know, we mentioned earlier that a lot of this was made possible by the um the drug culture as well, and um, that was part of the conditioning process of the the baby boomer generation of of first generation hippies that were the target victims of this CIA mind control uh, deconstruction program under things like MK Ultra, overseen by Tavistockian psychiatrists. And when you go back to the Unabomber, he himself, you know, we mentioned it, but I didn't say it. He himself was a guinea pig un overseen by a Harvard MK Ultra experiment um, overseen by what's in, uh, Henry A. Murray. And Henry A. Murray was an OSS, CIA, Rockefeller Foundation, psychiatrist who brought in Timothy Leary's uh, psilocybin project of Harvard. He's the guy, that's what, what made Timothy Leary the, the nut job guru that he became under the influence of Aldous Huxley, Doors of Perception, also part of the, the CIA MKUltra operation to, to normalize the idea of a new type of spiritualism that, was that broke free of the obsolete religious traditions of Christianity and, and monotheism. Break it free and as Timothy Leary and Aldous Huxley, who again, both Timothy Leary was a Harvard operative who was part of the operation that created the Unabomber, utilizing a mix of sh shock therapy, trauma, and uh, psychedelic drugs. 
that was then brought into the broader population of young people in the 1960s in schools. And Timothy Leary said in describing conversations with Aldous Huxley, his mentor, that what was decided but between the two of them and, and the higher ups controlling both was that we needed the time had come for a new scientific paganism um, utilizing these mind drugs. And he loved the CIA for this, um, which increasingly was was based on the idea you can all make your own reality. There's no truth. There's no genders. There's no there's it, it's all how you feel. And the, the mind drugs gave people an amplified sense of emotional experience that was then so so intense that it must be spiritual and and certain hallucinations I mean you're dealing with your brain chemistry in really really wild ways that involved a depatterning process yeah. such that people became much more malleable and much more inclined to reconstruct their brains based upon whoever controlled the environment that they were operating within and the the the, the musical uh transformations that were happening around the time of the cult, the counterculture um Again, as as well as the artistic, the the cinema, the cinema, the Planet of the Apes. Who was MGM? Who was funding these things? Who was funding Soylent Green? Who was funding Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey? This this is the same social engineers that want to bring about a great reset of global civilization and restore a pre-Christian global pagan uh, cult of people who didn't believe in truth, thought they had to like cut off their genitalia and eat bugs in order to stop you know the climate from changing. That's the, the today's today's crisis is the exact consequence of the lawful continuation of what was put into motion by the controllers of Ted Kaczynski and the reprogrammers of this poor schlep um, to the modern age. And people criticized China for having a cultural revolution that was a mess. And sure, it was a mess. That being said, they at least stopped it early on in the 70s. We our cultural revolution kept going for 50 bloody years mm. straight. We didn't stop it. It's now just degenerated to a new level of 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 messed fucked up this at this point yeah. like that that's a good point that, that's a good way yeah. to put it you've been listening to space commune podcast today we've had on matt errett matt is the prolific co-founder of the Rising Tide Foundation, editor-in-chief of Canadian Patriot Review, senior fellow at the Uni American University of Moscow, and host of The Great Game on Rogue News, which I listen to. Oh, show. yeah, we love we love the Rogue News show. Is there anything that you want to plug, cool. Matt? Where can people get uh, your stuff in one place? I will never miss an opportunity to plug uh, my books. Yeah, so <laughs> Cynthia, my wife, who's been on your show, and and, uh, and and I, we wrote a bunch of books. And so people can pick those up uh, on CanadianPatriot.org. And it's called Clash of the Two Americas, Volume 1 to 4. And Cynthia's new book is The Empire, on which the Black Sun Never Set. Volume 1, Volume 2 will be coming out with a more deep dive into the occult origins of fascism in the, in the 19th century that's going to be probably next year but it's 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 intense intense material um so again that's all available and if you're a canadian or an american that want to understand what the hell is this synthetic weird thing called canada that usually acts like a like an instrument of, of destruction for the by the british empire um that never let canada go free um check out my untold history of canada four volume book series also available easy to find on canadianpatriot.org i was going to plug your book uh in the middle of something you were talking about with uh, hamilton and aaron burr 
because uh, I just got finished reading your uh, the <laughs> first volume of Clash of Two Americas. So check that out if you want to learn more about it. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, and I want to read Cynthia's books. You guys are just like... Space Commune is a media project by two upstate New Yorkers seeking an alternative to the degrowth and deindustrialization paradigm being thrust upon us by the Great Reset Agenda. We love our country, the United States of America, and take inspiration from our revolutionary founding. We want win-win cooperation with Russia and China in developing the world economy for all of humanity and to make America great again. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider joining our Patreon. We also make other content such as documentaries on YouTube and essays you can find on our website at spacecommune.com.